Hello, everybody. This is Wickham Myth. This is Brenna. This is Taylor. What up? It's Nigel. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to go after her. <laughs> oh, beautiful start to the show. Yeah. You know us. If we're not fucking up, what are we doing? Exactly. exactly. You should know by now. Exactly. All the real ones out there. Exactly. <laughs> Andrea. True. <laughs> just Andrea. Uh, no, I'm just Mom kidding. listens. Oh, yeah. Mom does listen. Hi, Mom. Yeah, my mom too, actually. Yeah. So not yeah. my mom. What the fuck, Shannon? Shout out to my workers. I don't want to say the name of the place. My workers? You mean your coworkers? Yes. <laughs> no, I boss. own that shit. I'm the CEO of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Ashley. I Hi, Ashley. Very serious girl crush on you. Yep. <laughs> I love you, actually. Anyway, let's Anywho. <laughs> talk about something else. <laughs> I get that though. Yeah. I have a, I have a few friends. It's like I really love you. You don't understand. Yeah. It's like, no, like I would I die for you. For you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Nigel told me the other day. Like, okay, so Ashley had this really cute costume. It was like a bee, like black and yellow, mm-hmm. Wu Tang costume. Really cute. Mm-hmm. And um, Nigel went in there and told <laughs> told her Taylor's probably simping over you right now. <laughs> and I was like, you didn't have to fucking out me like that. I mean, You're it's right. true. <laughs> fucking out me like that. Is she the one that does the special effects makeup? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. If you are listening, honey, your stuff is amazing. I love it so much. That's my fucking girlfriend. (laughs) I ship you guys. Thanks, Nigel. (laughs) Sailor. Sailor. Oh, that's cute. Wait, Sailor. What the fuck? That doesn't work. That doesn't work at all, but I I was just gonna go with it. It works. Fuck it. The S in her last name. We could do Tashley. Tashley. Mm, Yeah. It's better than Sailor. That's true. Gator. Gaylor. That's worse, honey. You're just yeah. kind of digging a hole. Yeah, Y'all are hard. Okay. Tashley. Oh, we love you, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Tashley. Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Nigel doesn't That's like right. our ship name. Okay, anyway. Anywho. Back to it. Welcome to Wicked Myth. Thanks for coming back. Mm. And if, you know, I'm sorry that I'm gay. Um... <laughs> So let's just, let's get into business. All right. Let's just jump into it. So today uh, I'm doing a Wicked Side. Um, the reason I'm doing it this time and not Taylor's because we had brought it up in the last episode. Yeah. Um, we had talked about this and I got really excited and Taylor was kind enough to let me go first. Yeah. But um, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Torso Murders or the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury run. Ooh. So excited about this one. Yes. This is for one, like we were talking about this earlier, everybody kind of has that one case that fascinates them. Yeah. And oh, for sure. this one is mine. Yeah. This is like my, I want to solve it. Yeah. It's 1930s case, but I want to solve right. it. Right. It's not at all rational, I'm aware. But um, <laughs> I had uh, three main sources for this one. I had um, the biographics, um, which is, again, another Simon Whistler channel. Yeah. I, I it's Speaking of crushes. Don't know what it is about bald men on YouTube with glasses and beards, but Felt that. yeah, Vinjin with Babish. Hit oh me yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Michael from Vsauce. Yeah, uh, dude, I love him. I love. I him. love Vsauce. I do. Vsauce is awesome. Not my type, but Vinjin Fucking... with Babish. Oh, brainy, brainy and nerdy, and and with that perfect amount of cute. Yeah, no, yeah. I do it. Oh, so love that for you. Oh god, my husband listens. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> well, I he senior. knows. Well, he knows. I'm literally <laughs> sitting in front of Taylor, just like, oh, you guys are cute. And we're yeah, <laughs> yeah. Literally in what? Now that's, two or three weeks. I yeah. think that's what cracks me up. Was like the the whole Star Claws thing, and like ninety percent of mine is YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I 
love that. Oh, also, before we like really get into it, I want to say thank you guys for tuning into our live show. Yes. If you did get a chance to, it was a lot of fun. It was. it was so much fun. And it is still available. It's up on Facebook right now. So if you want to go watch, you absolutely can. At Wicked Myth Podcast. <clears throat> yeah. Just so you know. Good yeah. plug, Nigel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll find us on Instagram too at Wicked Myth Podcast mm-hmm. and on Twitter at Wicked Myth Pod. Yes. Because some asshole stole Wicked Myth Podcast. Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> Wicked Myth Podcast. We're coming for you. <laughs> not even we're a podcast. Not. We're, we're too For lazy, legal reasons, so. that's a joke. <laughs> for legal reasons, exactly. that's a joke. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We can't. I'm too lazy. Exactly. So anyway, yes. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. Now back to Brenna. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, my second um, my second source was BuzzFeed Unsolved, which is mm. another one that I am a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a great one on, on the uh, Mad Butcher. And then the book Andrea actually lent me... Um, a book called Clues from Killers by Dirk C. Gibson. And, of course, I got some uh, information from Wikipedia because they had a really good timeline laid out that I could go back and reference. Honestly, Wikipedia is pretty good for that. Like, I know people are like, you shouldn't use Wikipedia, but Wikipedia is so different now than it was, like, even five ten, you know, five years ago. Yeah, and and even then, like if yeah, it's if true. it's a good Wikipedia article or a good <clears throat> Wikipedia page, they'll have all the sources at the bottom. Exactly. exactly. You can tell so you can double check for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because they even have warnings like, oh, this one may not have fucking yeah they verification do. or this blah blah blah. One may not yeah. have accurate information right. or this page right. is yeah. updating. Yeah. Wikipedia is great. I love Wikipedia. So no. fuck you, high school, for telling me I can't use it. <laughs> Bitches. Yeah, it's college a lot too. But then again, like we just yeah. said, back then it wasn't what it is now. Yeah, so. exactly. Um. Anyway, um. The Mad Butcher. The Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Cute. Yep, yeah, and the um also known it too as the Cleveland Torso Killer. And potentially, and we'll get into this later. Um, uh, he might also be the Murder Swamp Killer too. So. Damn. Yeah. He's a busy boy. He's a busy yeah. boy. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, 1930s Cleveland, Ohio had its fair share of hardships, but 1935 would introduce a brutal and sadistic killer so horrific he would have fit in with modern-day horror movies or a particularly gruesome nightmare. Mm. Um, I'm going to try to list his victims in order and give details of the events surrounding the murder, the murders at the time, but the order of discovery was not the same as the order of the murders. Got it. Okay. Uh, so sometimes I will have to go by order of discovery. Um you know, but I try to keep the timeline as relevant and easy to follow yeah. as I could. So I apologize if it does jump back and forth. Hopefully everybody can understand. If not, however, like I said, Wikipedia does have a great timeline that you can look up on your own right. and uh, she'll lay everything out for you. Uh, so. God damn, excuse me. <laughs> that was, I think your soul left for a minute. A little bit. <laughs> it was right in my face. I loved it. Sorry. Ooh. Yeah, beautiful. Hey. I love a gas. I mean, boy. everybody's got their kinks, so. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen to be mine, but, you know. <laughs> okay, back to it. Um, I'd li- also like everybody to keep in mind, too, that in the time frame that this takes place, serial killer was not really a term. Yeah. Um, the whole concept of a serial killer is actually a fairly recent thing. Uh, despite the media frenzy around killers like Jap- Jack the Ripper and H.H. H. Holmes, they were considered anomalies at the time. Jack the Ripper killed between 1888 and 1892, and Holmes multiple times throughout his life, um, but he was captured November 17th of 1894. Um, and despite, you know, what was almost a 40-year gap, there wasn't much progress made on educating law enforcement because they didn't yeah. realize that these weren't just weird anomalies yeah. at the time. Um, so police were reluctant to classify these killings 
um, for a long time as the work of a single person. They kept wanting to boil them down to, you know, the different events despite all the similarities. Right, right. I don't don't think a serial killer was coined until the 70s. It was until, like, the 70s, yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. So it was one of those things where, like, I, I try to, like, inform people and just be like, hey, just keep in mind, keep a grain of salt, you know? Um, also on an extremely sad note, and probably why this case matters so much to me, is most of these victims were not identified. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Partially due to the economic status of the victims, and partially due to the difficulty and the lack of speed of information of the time. Um, I do note, though, despite how, despite it being the 1930s, I am very impressed with the scientific... Uh, venture that went into this yeah like they, there was a lot of really sci- solid scientific work and um yeah there was a lot to be admired yeah. in yeah. um in how the case was handled particularly in this case um the coroner um the lead coroner a man named samuel gerber um is somebody that i i respect quite a bit mm-hmm. he was actually the person to push elliot ness into keeping this to looking at this as a serial killer yeah so um yeah i I, and kind of focus the police investigation a little more um so i'm gonna start with um his first the first one that has been attributed to him um she was never officially put on the list though but experts now believe that she is the first victim September 5th, 1930, the lower half of a woman's torso washed ashore Lake Erie. Testing led police to believe the body had been in the water for between three to four months. Like many of the butcher's victims, her skin was strangely discolored with a reddish hue and leathery via some sort of chemical treatment that they still don't know what it is today. They're not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, she was also the first of our unknown victims and is therefore known as the Lady of the Lake. So she was just never identified. Yeah, wow. um, also, trigger warning too, this does get very gruesome. Yeah. Um, this is a, not a, there's a reason he's called a butcher. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. So if this isn't for you, if, if this is something that might be a little gruesome for you, I do advise maybe skipping this episode. Yeah. Although I don't want the numbers to go down, but, you know, I understand. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. September 23rd of 1935, two boys playing in Kingsbury Run on an embankment called Jackass Hill. Um, yeah, right. I love that. Uh, found the naked, headless body of a man. Detectives Damn. Orly May and Emo Muscle were on the scene first. While searching the crime scene, they actually found a second body that was also naked and headless. Mm. Both bodies had their genitals removed. Oh my god. Yep. And there, they were found later with one of the heads. Um, both heads were recovered. Um, clothing was also found in the area, along with a bucket of oil and a torch. One of the bodies had been badly burnt. Um, both bodies were found washed and drained of blood. La- lab analysis also discovered that, horrifically, both men were alive when they were decapitated. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yep. 
Were they now? Do they know if they were burned before or after they were dead? Um, the burning they believe was to try to cover his tracks. He was kind of experimenting. Oh, okay, yeah. so it was probably post mortem. Yeah, they they think he was experimenting with body disposal yeah. and further trying to hide their identities. Yeah. Um, and then I believe that it just got too much like maybe he was too afraid of getting caught and it was taking much longer than he thought because it takes a while for yeah. a body to burn oh for sure and i yeah. think he just didn't realize how long it would have taken yeah so um <coughs> excuse me both bent men had been murdered uh somewhere else because there was no blood pools or anything like that around and as i said they were both drained of their blood yeah. um and then their bodies dumped on jackass hill which by the way i'm we're gonna get back to this later but the hill was so steep that horses couldn't get up it. So whoever mm. did this had to be extremely strong yeah. to carry two body to carry. Well, maybe he did it one at a time. I don't know, but to carry two different bodies up a hill like that, up a steep yeah. hill, you know, the bodies of grown men. So, um, I want to look this hill up. Yeah. Um, the, um, first man, uh, believed to be the first victim, was unfortunately never identified. His skin, like the Lady of the Lakes, was also reddish in color, color and leathery um, from the same chemical treatment. Uh, we do know, however, he was between the ages of 40 to 45. He was 5 foot 6 and he weighed 160 pounds and he had dark brown hair. Um, the police have since labeled him as victim 1. Mm. The second body belonged to a 28-year-old man named Edward W. Andrassi. His head was located about 30 feet from his body. Andrassi had multiple run-ins with the Cleveland police for drunkenness, uh, brawling, and concealed weapon. Yeah. He was also known to deal in pornography, and he had ties to the, the, the Detroit mob. I swear to drunk, I'm not God. <laughs> um, yeah. that a shirt, too. Yeah, you know. While we're on merch. <laughs> <laughs> right, because we're talking about that yesterday. Um, but yeah, uh, he had ties to the Detroit mob. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, and kind of weirdly, he was also employed as an orderly in the psychiatric unit of Cleveland Hospital. Um, wow. At the time of his death, however, he was unemployed, and his wife had just left him, I believe. Oh, damn. So, however, his history with police meant that they were actually able to identify him because they had his fingerprints on oh, file. True. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, damn. um... And we'll talk about this later because Elliot Ness made a very controversial decision um, toward the end of things. And I don't know how much I believe his excuse for doing what he did, but uh, when you see how many of these bodies are unidentified, there's part of me that thinks that maybe he had something with that yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we'll get back to that later. Um, just... Stick with the timeline. <laughs> Four months later, um, January 26, 1936, another female body was discovered. Parts of her, anyway. The killer had wrapped pieces of her in newspaper and left them in a basket on a street. The rest of her body was found scattered around a vacant lot. Oh my god. Yeah, the next That's day. awful. However, her head was never found. Um, Did you say in a basket? What was that? Yeah, her body parts were actually wrapped in newspaper in yeah. a basket and then left on a street like wow. almost like a butcher delivers meat yeah so oh, so yeah the butcher yeah Ew. yep um yeah and and the rest of her body parts like i said were found in a lot um the, her head again was never found 
Um, she, however, was identified. Um, she was uh, Florence Palillo. Um, and um, apparently a lot of people called her Flo. Um, she was a 42-year-old waitress who was said to be very kind and well-liked when oh. she was sober. Unfortunately, that also wasn't often. She was an alcoholic. Mm. Um, her addiction cost her her romantic partner and often caused her to have to take up as a sex worker in order to make money. Yeah. yeah. Um, because of this, though, her fingerprints were on file, and that means she was identified. Yeah. Um, her romantic partner, um, a man named Frank Dolezal, was also considered a suspect. And again, we're going to return to that later because that's one of the theories. Um, and I would really like to talk about Frank separately. Um, yeah. yeah. He deserves he deserves a little bit of time, too. Um, June 5th, 1936, two different boys on their way to fishing discovered a man's head wrapped in a pair of pants and discarded in some bushes. His body was found the next day very close to the railway police station. Jesus. Yep. Some believe this was the killer's first time mocking the police. Yeah. Unlike others, this man seemed better off financially. His clothing was new, he was well-groomed, and he was well-fed. On his underwear were the initials J.D. This victim also had many tattoos, leading police to believe he was a sailor. Um, yeah. Just because at the time it wasn't a common thing for people to it's have. Kind of taboo. Almost, yeah. yeah. Unless you were in the navy mm. or, or or you were a sailor, and then yeah. it was just considered, you know, par for the course. Right. Um, and I'm going to give a list of his tattoos only because I want people to understand how much description they had of him. Yeah. And the fact that he still remains identified. Yeah, which is that's insane. Yeah. Wait, he is identified or he's not? No, he remains not. Un- unidentified. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, his tattoos include a butterfly on his right shoulder, a heart and an arrow on the right outer forearm. Mm -hmm. His inner forearm were crossed American flags with the letters WCG. The inner side of his left arm had a dove with the names Helen and Paul. And on the calf, yep, of his right leg, he had both an anchor and a cupid. And on the calf of his left leg, he had a comic strip character known as Jigs. That is, it's insane to me because especially in the 30s, it was very taboo to have tattoos. Oh, for sure. And people would recognize you if you had them because they were very, especially he, it sounds like he had them in very visible places. That's kind of where, for me, the Helen and Paul tattoo comes in. Yeah, because you would think if you, if he loves people enough to put their names on him, it makes me think they had passed away. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because the dove is often. At least being a tattoo artist, a lot of times when people want memorial tattoos, they yeah. want religious iconography <clears throat> yeah, um, put with it, and doves are very common. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that says that maybe he was alone in the world. Yeah. Maybe. You know, and he lost the people that loved him. But he had to know somebody. That's wild. You would think being a sa- if he was if he was a sailor, but we don't know for sure. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, Just damn. wow. That's that's what I think makes it even crazier to me just because of the time and you know yeah and it gets crazier um so we do know he was also between five foot ten and five foot eleven 155 pounds Mm -hmm. with reddish brown hair and blue eyes Mm -hmm. um and you can actually they do have very very clear pictures of his head online should you want to go see him um it doesn't really show anything, honestly. It, it looks almost like he's under a sheet, and yeah. you're just seeing like his, I, um, his head resting on a pillow. While looking for Jackass Hill, I did come across that yeah, picture that of picture, him. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so um, in an attempt to identify him, the police actually made a plaster cast of his face known as a death, death mask. Um, the cast and a list of tattoos were put on display in a sort of World's Fair type event that was being held around Cleveland at the time. Mm. And despite the large cl- crowds of thousands of people, nobody stepped forward with any knowledge of his identity. Yeah. Damn. Um, it was discovered also that his head had been removed while he was alive. Wow. Yeah. That is Ooh. so horrific. Like, imagining... I don't want to imagine that. being no. Being decapitated while alive that that's horrible there are theories too um into that something i didn't put to um andrasi's body was actually found with rope burns around his wrist Mm. so these sound personal to me yeah um and like i said the case is so deep and there's so many different theories as to why he picked the victims that he picked and how he he uh how he chose them. Yeah. I, I didn't really get into any of that. Um, but if anybody wants, of course, everything's out there uh, online and in, in books. <coughs> so you can always uh, look if you choose to on your own. Yeah. So um, it was after this that the coroner began to push the issue of the killer being the same person. They took um, their concerns to the safety director, Elliot Ness. However, up until this point, Ness had very little involvement with the murder cases. Yeah. He mostly acted in an administrative capacity. He was mainly focused on, like, gambling and, and um, you know, the things of that nature. Yeah. He he was known, uh, if the name Elliot Ness sounds familiar, and it should to many people, um, Elliot Ness is, they, there was, like, a show based off of his life for a while, and the movie The Untouchables is based off of Elliot Ness and his unit um, that took down Al Capone. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's also important to note that at this phase, though, in Elliot Ness's life, he was not popular anymore. Yeah. You know, shall we say. He's more popular now than he was at this phase of his life. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it, it was, um, sorry, I lost my place for a minute. Um, however, um... He did listen to the coroner, and he did make his detectives focus on this as if it were a single killer. Um, so he did did basically gather, like, rally the troops and say, hey, this is what we need to be doing. Yeah. So, um, July 22nd, 1936, another man's body was discovered, although it was believed he was killed before the tattooed man, possibly in May. His body was found in the Big Creek area of Brooklyn, west of Cleveland, which was an anomaly because this is outside of Kingsbury Run, Yeah, obviously. And this was kind of different for his MO. It's also interesting, too, because this body was actually killed where it was found. Yeah. Um, they did find blood evidence all over the place. Yeah. Um, so they don't know if he was becoming more frenzied or if it was just... He was interrupted in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, So they're just not sure. Um, And like many others, it was also determined he was alive while he was dismembered. Awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. You say that was in uh, Brooklyn? Yeah. I lived in Brooklyn. Did you? I did, yeah. If anyone doesn't know, 
Uh, I lived in Cleveland for years, so it was really surprising that I didn't know this one. Yeah. You know. That's one of the reasons why I wanted Sorry. to do, it, wanted to, like, tell it to you guys, because yeah. I thought it's just really interesting, and you being from that area. Yeah, yeah. So, um, now, at this point in time, it's important to note the police had still not officially gone to the papers or the public and said that they believed this was the work of a single killer. Yeah. Um, which... Personally, I kind of feel is very irresponsible. Yeah. Oh, you know? no, no. Yeah, definitely. If, if it's not isolated incidences or like one-on-one crime, crime of passions, yeah. then <clears throat> this is somebody targeting people, that group should be informed. Right. Yeah. You know, especially those that were at risk. So, um, however, a few newspapers had started catching on and they were starting to publish, um, with headlights speculating that it was one person. One of them um, even wrote, uh, the killer was a madman whose strange god is a guillotine. Which I thought was kind of darkly poetic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little dramatic. A little dramatic. It's the 1930s though. (laughs) Yeah. I think dramatic was kind of the thing then. That was the vibe. Yeah. Um, September 10th of 1936, in Kingsbury Run, um, a male body was found. Only half of a torso with nothing beneath the hips. Um, Mm. His head was never recovered, and sadly, he was also never identified. The location of his body, however, was in a deep, stagnant pool, and it made retrieval of the body very difficult. Um, Police had to use hooks and poles to fish out his remains and his clothing, and because it took them so long, crowds actually started to gather. And the word, you know, kind of got out. Um... It became public knowledge that the murders were the work of one person. The mm-hmm. police really didn't have a choice in it anymore at yeah. that yeah. point. Yeah, you know? Cause, yeah, there's an obvious pattern. I mean, you can't very, ignore it. Very, And now this is at the point, too, where we see Ness get more involved um, yeah. at the mayor's behest. He began ordering more patrols and organizing undercover officers to pose as vagrants and gay men. Um because they believed that those were the most vulnerable groups groups of people that he would be after. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nothing ever came of it. Um, one of the detectives, um, a man who was said to be very intelligent, who was multilingual, and but a little bit of an oddball, was a detective called Peter Morello. And Peter Morello was very instrumental in the case. Him and his partner interviewed uh, 1,500 people for oh, this case. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this was one of those two where I do feel like they were taking it seriously as far as, you know, their efforts, the real effort was being made to stop this. So it's sad with cases like this where the police actually did take it seriously and it still is unsolved. Yeah. Because we see so many cases where the police didn't take it seriously and it ends up getting solved eventually, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's such a like, you know, it's, it's just really sad to see that they actually worked really hard and. Yeah. Got nothing. Yeah. It is. It is. You know, and and it's got to be frustrating, too, because this was, this was Elliot Ness's last case. Yeah. You know, and he had an amazing record. Yeah. Yeah. And to have his last case be this had to be incredibly haunting for him. Oh, I'm sure. You know. I'm sure. But, you know, back then they didn't have half the technology that we have now to identify people and... Yeah. uh, Yeah. It does make me wonder. I... (sighs) If these people would have been identified or if they just would have been lost in the fray because we have so many unidentified people now. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's not a guarantee that they would have been identified, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, February 23rd, 1937, at uh, Usland Beach, I'm sorry, um, a woman's remains were found almost in the exact same spot as the Lady of the Lakes. Eventually, her head was found. Um, it was believed she was murdered three to four days before she was found. Um, she's believed to be his eighth victim, though she was the seventh body discovered. Wow. So, June 6th, 1937. The mostly skeletal remains of a decapitated woman were found beneath the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. Her head was recovered, and oddly, she was missing a rib. The Mm. woman was also unique because she was the butcher's only black victim. She was believed to be the sixth murder, but the eighth discovered. She was tentatively ID'd as Rose Wallace, although the coroner disagreed with this. Um, A man claiming to be Rose Wallace's son identified the body via her gold teeth. Um, Wow. Yeah. July 6, 1937, the headless body of a man was found in the Cuyahoga River. His head was never recovered. Um, He was the ninth, and he was also believed to be the ninth victim. So, the ninth discovery and the ninth victim. Um, April 8, 1938, a female's remains were found, um, specifically just her lower leg in the Cuyahoga River. Um, on May 2nd, her thigh was found floating in the river east uh, of the West 3rd Street Bridge. God damn. Yeah. A search under the bridge um, found her half torso, her other thigh, and a left foot all in a burlap bag. Oh, wow. Damn. Her head and the rest of her body was never recovered. <clears throat> she was also the only victim found to have drugs in her system at the time of death. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, yeah. And that's, it's been speculated too, they don't know if he at all possibly drugged his victims, and that's how he was able to decapitate them and restrain them, uh, you know, do everything that he did, because they would almost have to be. Yeah, because I can't imagine it would be easy to decapitate (laughs) someone Mm -mm. while they're alive, especially if they're fighting and... No, you it's know. actually supposed to be very hard to do. Yeah, yeah. in you know. general, you know, not in, yeah. but add, you know, them thrashing and, and fighting, and which I'm sure they were, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Fun grim fact, because I actually did watch a video, again, I think it was through today I found out, on the life of executioners, mm-hmm. and um, it was a very, very big deal if they were able to take a head off in one swing. Yeah. Because it was so hard to do. Oh, yeah. Most of the time, they would just be hacking at you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they did that, they actually got in trouble. Yeah. So they were paid significantly less if the kills weren't quick and clean. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that was a great video, too. It is really interesting. Um, The whole social dynamic surrounding them was very interesting, too. Yeah. Um, So if anybody is, that's an interesting one to go look up if anybody wants to. Yeah. August 16th, 1938, two bodies were found. One man and one woman. Both were discovered at the East 9th Street Lakeshore dump. The man, believed to be the 10th victim, was found decapitated with his head in a large can. He was never identified, and the female was also decapitated. She was believed to be the butcher's 11th victim, and her head was also recovered, but she was never identified. God damn, dude. Yep. Two days after the last body was found, Ness ordered a raid on the vagrant camp at Kingsbury Run. Mm -hmm. And this is where things get a little spicy for him. 
Um, he was under an incredible amount of pressure to solve this case. Yeah. And... I mean, with 11 people dead at this point, you know, that's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of people. A lot. Um, and being taunted yeah. by the killer. Some interesting fact, I guess, is the last two bodies were actually placed within view of his office window. Wow. Damn. That's bold as fuck. Bold. Yeah. Real bold. Yeah. So this person was taunting him. Yeah. Um, at wow. this point. So, um, everyone was rounded up and fingerprinted. Yeah. So that if there were any more victims, Ness claimed if there were any more victims this way, they could be identified. Yeah. However, he took it a step further and he burned down the shacks completely to the ground so that oh. they would move on. Wow. Kind of, he, he claimed again in an attempt to disrupt the killer's victim pool. Which... I don't know if... Nobody can really say what his intention was. That's the hard yeah, part of yeah. it. I, I think we all want to believe that his intention was the best of intentions. But, you know, it's very likely, too, he was just a man cracking under the pressure. Oh, for yeah. sure. That, yeah. You know, that that had to be <laughs> amazing. But the move was labeled by many people as, quote, cruel and draconian. Um, however, the murders did stop in Cleveland after this point. Um, not saying it was because of this move. It just, you know. Yeah. We don't know one way or another. Yeah. So, um, the first theory I want to talk about, um, and that's what we're getting into now, because as I said, those were the last victims. Um, so is... this guy was never found, right? Never found. Okay. No. Okay. Nope, unfortunately. <clears throat> um, Florence Palillo's romantic partner that I brought up earlier was a man named Frank Dolajal. Uh, Frank was a 52-year-old bricklayer, and he was actually charged and arrested for the murders despite a complete lack of evidence. No one ever seriously considered him a suspect. It's yeah. believed because of mounting pressure from the public, the police wanted to push through some sort of result. Dolezal's confession, and I say that with quotation marks around it, mm -hmm. didn't make any sense. In fact, one of the officers at one point said he'd never heard somebody who knew less about the crime they were they were claiming to uh, yeah. have committed. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of uh, the West Memphis Three. Yeah. Um, the only connection he really had and the only thing they really had against him is that he was uh, Palillo's boyfriend. He also knew Androsi. <laughs> And uh, Rose Wallace. Yeah. However, it really wasn't that unusual for people to know each other in that area. Yeah, at the time. well, because the way you the street, Cleveland is in suburbs. Yeah. You know, there there's different, you know, cities within Cleveland. Like, yeah. we say Cleveland is a blanket statement, but there's so many other areas there. Yeah. And most of the time, those areas are pretty small. From what mm -hmm. I read, it looked like a lot of this took place in um, Shaker Heights, Mm -hmm. near Shaker Heights, which is a small, very yeah. small suburb of Cleveland. So it would make sense that they know each other. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Dolezal later recanted his confession, claiming he had been beaten. He suffered six broken ribs and was covered in bruises. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. They, they beat his ass. Um, yeah. And forced a confession out of him. Awful. Um, in August 1939, Dolezal committed suicide again. Um... Quote, unquote. Yeah. yeah. One month before his trial. Mm. Which, again, doesn't make sense to me because they had nothing on him. Why would he, you know? They claimed he, uh, yeah. yeah. They claimed he <clears throat> hung himself from a hook that was 
only five feet and seven inches from the ground. However, Dolezal himself was five foot eight. Oh, it wouldn't make any sense. He'd have yeah, to it's... strangle himself. Yeah. Which nobody has the, the, you don't have the strength to, you'll pass out before you die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, <clears throat> very suspicious. I'm not saying that the Cleveland police killed him, but well, I'm uh, also not saying that it was suicide. It's mad, it has so happened it's... in yeah. the past. The, the, those kinds of things do happen. Yeah. Um, there was a, there's a case expert called James Bedell who, um, is alive today. He's studied this case extensively and he said that he took a copy of Dolezal's, um, autopsy report to a coroner and Mm -hmm. they said he did not die in the way the report said he did. Yeah. Um, but they also were reluctant to label it as murder too. Yeah. The Cleveland police are notoriously dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's it's a kind of a thing, you know. Like yeah, they they've always kind of been like that. So if you're from the area, everybody kind of knows. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Cleveland police are awful. They're awful. Yeah. They're assholes. First of all, that's just like them being them. But um, yeah. you know, like Tamir Tamir Rice, twelve mm. year old boy that was gunned down by the police not even that long ago. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a thing. It's sad. It's horribly it sad, really sad to think about. Um, however, there is a little bit of um, of something, a little sparkle of humanity in all of this. Um, the expert that I was talking about, James Bedell, um, him and his team actually purchased a gravestone for Dolezal. Wow. Yep. Um, they put it on his grave with his family in attendance. Sorry. <laughs> It just gets me a little... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> a whole lot of dark when you see that sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I will forewarn people, I cry a lot. <laughs> we emotional as fuck on this I am very... Show. I'm not ashamed or, or nor will I ever apologize for it. It's yeah. part of who I am. I'm an empathetic person. Yeah. Um, That's okay. Yeah. So That's all you and Nigel... Damn straight. That's alright. You can watch me be a blubbery I'm bitch. A, I'm okay with I'm this. I'm a fucking Libra, dude. All um, I do is yeah. cry. And I'm a Taurus. So. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn, and y'all are emotional as hell. Right? Honestly, neither of you are notoriously emotional signs, but that's yeah. okay. And that's on trial. I'd love to do your birth charts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, inscribed on the tombstone, they put the words rest now. Oh. Um, posthumously yeah. kind of pardoning him on their own. Yeah. Which I thought was very, very kind. Mm. Um, however, now we're getting into the second suspect. And this guy is a real piece of work. The second suspect, who both Bedell himself and Elliot Ness believed was guilty, was a man named Dr. Francis E. Sweeney. Sweeney came under investigation after the lead coroner, Dr. Samuel Gerber, suggested the clean and precise cuts indicated somebody with anatomical knowledge and training. Um, Sweeney was known to be a violent drunk. Um, He was also a very large and imposing man and very strong. Yeah. Uh, He was certainly strong enough to carry the bodies of two grown men up the steep embankment of Jackass Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All the cuts were clean? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, they, they said that pretty, pretty much everything was incredibly precise. Yeah. Like, not just, they were doing. Yeah, not just the quality of the cuts themselves, mm. 
but the precision of the cuts within the human anatomy. Yeah. yeah. You know, to dismember somebody. Yeah. So. Because um, you can't be that lucky that many times in a row. No, you know no, I mean? it would have required knowledge. Right. Yeah. That also, um, the way <clears throat> that the body is drained of blood and things like that, the yeah. chemical preservative. Yeah. All points to somebody who had medical knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, his wife actually <clears throat> left him because of his abuse of her and her and their two sons. Um, shortly after the murder stopped, Sweeney's family forced him into a hospital full time. Some speculate it was to stop the murders. Yeah. Um, the case against Sweeney, however, was incredibly problematic. First and foremost, Sweeney's cousin was a congressman. This congressman did not like Elliot Ness nor Cleveland's mayor at the time, and it's believed he actively impeded the investigation. Mm. Um, second, Sweeney checked himself into rehab uh, for drinking around the time some of the murders were committed. However, after closer looking into the, after a detective looked a little closer into this, um, it was actually discovered that because Sweeney was a doctor and he was there voluntarily, he could come and go as he pleased and nobody kept tabs on him. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That is incredibly negligent. Incredibly. Um, And third, Elliot Ness actually at one point in time kind of sort of kidnapped Sweeney. (laughs) And uh, Sort of kind of. Yeah, you know, quite a bit. Um, And drug him to a hotel for a period of between 10 to 14 days. Holy shit. Um, Three of those days were spent just sobering Sweeney up. Now, this was all secretly done. This wasn't discovered until many, many, many years later that this had happened. Um, But had they done anything, it would have come up. Yeah. Um, Now, Miranda rights weren't established at this time. However, this was considered a violation of civil liberties. Obviously. Yeah. So it, anything he would have gotten out of this wouldn't have been able to, to hold up in courts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a man named Leonard Keeler, who was one of the inventors of the polygraph machine, was called in to test Sweeney, um, and Sweeney failed twice. He said to Ness, that's your man. I might as well throw my machine out the window if I say anything different. After Sweeney was released... Um, a month later, the final two victims were placed outside of Elliot Ness's office window. Yeah. Which... That's uh, pretty con- convincing. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. Um, Ness would continue to be mocked well into the 1950s, actually. He received postcards... Sorry about my chair. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He received postcards, um, on a pretty regular basis from somebody claiming to be Sweeney. Um... It's worth noting, too, that mostly what was written on the cards was gibberish. Yeah. Several notes were found on the bodies of the butcher's victims that were also written in some sort of gibberish. Yeah. Nobody understands what it was supposed to be. Wow. So they do believe it was the killer still taunting them into the 1950s. That's insane. Um, Detective Murillo himself received several very strange phone calls, too, throughout his life that he firmly believes were from the killer. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah. At one point in time, I guess, when Ness actually interrogated Sweeney the correct way, um... Things got very, very heated, and Ness slammed his hand down on the table and accused Sweeney outright of being the murderer. 
And it said that uh, Sweeney grinned from ear to ear, stood up, and simply leaned over and said, prove it to Ness. Um, But again, because of all the factors in this case, there was nothing they could do. They couldn't charge him. Um, It's also worth noting that in 1938, a vagrant named Emile Froneck later went to the police, claiming that in 1934, a doctor tried to drug and abduct him. Because of the state he was in, uh, Fronick couldn't remember the location of the doctor's office. He also he only knew it was around East 50th Street and East 55th. The police drove from around the area, but he was unable to pinpoint the doctor's office. So his story was dismissed. Later, however, James Bedell found evidence that Sweeney did practice medicine in the area, renting a modest-looking building on the corner of Broadway Avenue, Yeah, um, a building that closely matched the one Froneck described. Yeah. Um, there was, and it was also, I believe, like a block away. Wow. Yeah, from where they took Froneck. Like, if they had gone yeah. a block over. Yeah. You know, um, they probably would have found it. It's also worth noting um, that people, um, somebody at one point in time, another expert on the case, kind of stepped forward and said that they theorized that uh, the killer would have had to have access to a mortuary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because in a mortuary, all the facilities where you could drain a body and dismember it without anybody really looking at you weird. Right. Um, So they believe Sweeney might have had some sort of deal with a mortuary attendant um, to take his victims there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and this particular doctor's office was across the street from a mortuary. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's suspicious. <laughs> it is. That's very suspicious. That's weird. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to get a soundboard so bad. Just... I think we'll have to get you one eventually. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get Nigel a soundboard. <laughs> and on it, we'll have to have Markiplier's. You're right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that you know what I talk, what I'm talking That's about. Right, that. Like shit. My husband just gives me a blank look. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, yeah, and it also turns out that both locations, the um, the doctor's office and the mortuary, were very close. They were minutes away from two of the body dumps. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Sweeney, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Personally, I like Sweeney for it. Um, yeah. Me too. Yeah. But, um... Oh, was it... Yeah, none of none of this, unfortunately, was strong enough, though. You know, none of it to was hard evidence it. that, yeah. yeah, that Sweeney had done it. It was just... It's a lot of circumstantial. Yeah. You know? A lot of circumstantial that looks damn suspicious, but... Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, there is a third he- theory, however, and this one was believed by Detective Morello and the coroner, Dr. Uh, Gerber. Both men believe the killer moved on to Newcastle, Pennsylvania. In Newcastle, there was a swamp um, where bodies were dumped pretty regularly. Yeah. And it's also body water, you know, which seemed to be the killer's thing. Um, There were three bodies found in a boxcar with their heads removed. Ooh. Yep. Um, It's just so gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I don't believe those bodies were ever identified either because they were vagrants. Yeah. Um, Wow. So uh, many people believed that the murder swamp killer, as that killer was known, and the butcher are actually the same same person person. due to these similarities. Yeah. Um, It's also, I, I think it's important to note, they said something on Today I Found Out that kind of had me had me thinking for a bit Mm. serial killers don't stop unless they're caught they die they're in prison or they move on yeah um so it does lead me to back to think that it's sweeney because his parents forced him into the hospital where he lived until he died okay yeah that would make sense yeah yeah Yeah. and he was under constant surveillance and supervision i wouldn't say they never stop though I mean, BTK well, yeah, could... took a very long hiatus. Yeah. And um, who else was it that took a long hiatus? It was Golden State, too. Yeah, he took a very long hiatus. Yeah, Golden State did. But it is uncommon. Yeah. Yeah, it's not super common. So. But yeah, that that would, I mean, yeah, Sweeney looks good for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think, too. He looks so. real good for that. But, but yep, um, that's the case of the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Yeah. So it's wow. fucking wild. That one was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that's not even close to everything. Um, yeah. The the book that I had borrowed from Andrea had a lot more stuff in it too. It was just a lot more fine detail stuff yeah. that yeah. I just didn't feel like we had the time to get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This would have been like a four hour episode if yeah. I had gone. A multi part. Yeah. Yeah. Which in the future Maybe. I'd love to do multi part oh, episodes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be something I'm, I would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I said I just I can't get over this case for so many different reasons, and I think one of them is definitely the fact that these people just weren't identified. Yeah. Nobody claimed their bodies. Yeah. You know, and I guess for me I don't really care what happens to my body after death. You know, I I know what I would prefer, but at the same time I'm not gonna be there, so I don't really mind. You know. Yeah. But. To just have nobody care. Yeah. yeah. So sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I sad. think is, is what, I think that got to me the most. Yeah. Um, it was really sad. Yeah. What do you want with your, what done with your body when you die? I think we talked about this we before. We have talked about this. Yeah. Have we? But on yeah. the podcast? Yeah, because yeah, I was like, throw me in a hole. And, oh. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted uh, outdoor yeah. um, funeral pyre. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And I want to go to a which body pyre. I don't think we can do here, which is a bummer. Probably but. Not. But yeah. You can do whatever you want. Don't let the death industry hold you down. Well, Caitlin Dowdy said so. I went there to be a ditch at a Metallica concert. I don't know if we're going <laughs> to do that. I want to get a crane and I just want to throw my fucking body in there while Metallica's playing. That oh might be my. like the most expensive funeral ever. But that's what I want. Right? Well, you're going to be dead, so we'll, I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> Either way, throw me into a hole. Okay. So. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Like sad well, but true. Eat me in the hole. I think right. the the tattooed man got me real mu- real too. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Just to, he had so many identifying and unique too. markers, yeah. and still Nothing. was unidentified. Yeah, that one got me too. I'm that's, just that's like, crazy. especially in the 30s. Yeah. The fucking 30s. Right. Like yeah. tattoos were taboo until probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. even we're just getting to a point now. I can't tell you how many people I have come in here and they're like, oh, my parents are going to be so mad at me. They're so against tattoos. Yeah. Grown people, you yeah. know, that are like, that are oh, my mom's yeah. going to be mad at me. And I'm like, you're, you're 30. Shut up. You know? Right. I know. Oh my God. Like, I, just, I need more. Yeah. yeah. 
It's an addiction. I'm for one. It is. Yeah. It's an addiction. It is. I know. Me too. I can't wait to get another one. But the consistencies too throughout the case, like the, yeah. the being drained of blood, yeah. the chemical preservative. It the, points to medical training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The 100%. dismemberment and the beheadings. Yeah. Like every single one was beheaded. Every single one. Yeah. Oh. That's. Yeah. Awful. The, I mean, yeah. Absolutely awful. This person really, they had a very particular style and how they wanted to do things. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was very much on display. So at the same time where I try to be understanding of the cops not wanting to put this as a single person, um, I'm kind of like, how did you not? Yeah. Right. You know, because. It was just a different time though. Yeah. What we know now, they did not know then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. I get it, but also I get the frustration with it too. Cause yeah, it's like man, they're the same murder. <laughs> yeah, over and over and over again. Well, and in his case too, they do know that he got off the train, the tattooed man. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. For me, if I had been at that time, I probably would have like found out where the train went through and looked in those towns for if there was any recent deaths. You know. Yeah. For a Paul and Helen. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Exactly. Um. I feel like there was a lot of things that could have been done, but again, shoulda, and different times. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and Excuse I me. don't honestly, I don't know how much identification of these bodies was prioritized. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was it like if that versus, was as much of a concern as catching right. the killer. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was just gonna say. So, versus actually finding him. So yeah. Stop doing it. You know. Yeah. It's so it's one of those sad. things. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, that was a really good one. I was. That was a really good one. Thank you. I worked really hard on that. You can tell. You can tell you worked hard on that one. I was telling um, Taylor and Nigel, too, that I had written everything down at first, and it was much longer my first draft. I also could not read my handwriting. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. Um, I really wanted to, because of the details involved in this, I really wanted to have everything um, in order. Um, I will say, you know, I, I don't want anybody to think I don't take the myths and, and legends and I don't put it in just as much work to them. I do, but just due to the nature of myths and legends, there's not, yeah, yeah there's not the meat there. There's not the, the with, chronological evidence. Yeah, and, and with true crime, you have to be a little more delicate, you know? I feel like you do too, yes. Because there, you can't get the details wrong of it. You can't. Yeah. You were talking about real life things that happened. Right. <clears throat> and uh, yes, there is a lot of true crime connection to urban legends. Yes. However, most of those things aren't set in stone. Exactly. And if we mess up a detail, it's, it's not, not that big of a deal right. because it's probably a variation of that story. Right. Yeah. However, we can't afford to mess up details in true crime, ep- you know, in true exactly. crime episodes because also we don't the give nature the information. of urban myths and legends is a little lighter of heart. Yeah, and it's t- it's game of telephone with urban legends. Yeah. You know, you can kind of spin off whatever you want to spin off for it. Exactly. And someone exactly. will run with it, and it will become the new legend. You know, I could start right. a new one today if I wanted to. Yeah. You know, so exactly that's kind of the fun thing about you know the urban legends. So yeah, yeah. But, and I do think you guys were right about the creepy pastas being um, sort of a modern day way to spread urban legends. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I sure. mean, yeah. you, you know, Slenderman. Yeah, that started as a creepy pasta, and now this the new one is uh, Siren Head. Yeah, that kids are like obsessed oh, with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a game on that, isn't there? There's yeah. like a. I think so. I think Markiplier played something. Yeah, like that. it was like. Crawling through like a field and yeah, okay, like yeah, 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 fucking thing. yeah, 
just a... It's like a siren ta- head. Mm, see, that goes back to the really large things phobia that I have. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't want any part of it. Don't bring it to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, yep, yeah. That was, that was a really up. good one. Yeah. Thank you. Well All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Wicked Myth Podcast. And you can uh, send us an email at <laughs> Wicked Myth Podcast. At gmail.com. Gmail.com. He always forgets that part. <laughs> I do. And you can like us on Facebook. Wicked Myth Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter. Wicked Myth Pod. Not podcast. Fuck you, Wicked Myth Podcast on Twitter. Bitch. Literally nobody fucking likes you. Yeah, well, we're not fans. But but thanks, guys. We and and again, thank you for joining in our live show. It was so much fun. So much fun. We had a great time. So um We'll see you on the other side. We will. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.